OpenVS Orbit, the podcast for OpenVSwitch users and developers, Episode 9. I'm your host, Ben Pfeff. This episode is about a research project I've been working on with a team that includes university, faculty, and grad students, and developers from startups and established companies. It's the kind of research that I love to get involved in that involves building software. I had a hard time in grad school because I wanted to spend my time writing software, but software has to be really well chosen for writing it to be a form of research. Pisces, the software I'm talking about here, clearly is research. And so, in this episode, I'm talking to the project leader, Mohamed Shabazz. Shabazz is interning at VMware this summer with my mentorship, and we're planning to use this as an opportunity to get the benefits of Pisces into Open vSwitch. On to the interview. Switch podcast, OVS Orbit. I'm here today with Mohammed Shabazz, who is a grad student at Princeton, who's working uh, with Jennifer Rexford and, and Nick Feemster, and sometimes with uh, Nick McEwen at Stanford. Shabazz is also this summer uh, interning with me at VMware, and we're working on Open Switch projects together. Do you want to add anything else about yourself before we really uh, jump into the, the main topic? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so I'm a third-year graduate student at Princeton. Like you told, like I'm working with Jen and Nick, uh, mostly on the programmable data plane, like how to uh, come up with the high-level abstractions that are more closer to the user or a network programmer, and then take those abstractions and compile them into the underlying target. So yeah, based on that, we did like Benpaf and we and other people did some work on P4 and OBS. This is why I'm here for the summer to make it more mainline to the to the overall thing, so the community can actually use it and have fun with it. Yeah, that, that's great. It, it's always uh, one one thing to get a paper out and another to get it in a shape where uh, where people can use it. I always say that when you're working on something for research, it, it only has to work once. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think for what we did for the sitcom, like we also got a paper in uh, on P four and OVS in sitcom. So mostly the prototype there is somewhat like that. But that's why we are here in, for the summer to make it more robust for the people to use. So I, I bet that most of our listeners have heard of P4 just because there's all this information about it flying around right now, but I bet a lot of them don't really know uh, what P4 is. Do you want to say anything about that first? Yeah, sure. Uh, so P4 is stands for, I think, Protocol Independent Packet Processors. So it's a language that allows programmers, mostly network programmers, to specify different aspects of a programmable data plane. Mostly these are packet parsing, like how, what are the fields that you want to parse, how you want to parse them, like the state machine, and then the different match action tables or the control flow that actually operates on the packet as it passes through the pipeline. And then finally, there's a deparser, uh, which puts the data back onto the packet once uh, the fields are modified and so forth. So that's the overall structure uh, that's normally there. And P4 is the language that allows you to explicitly define these different aspects from a programmer's stand- standpoint, like as a program, rather than something which is implicit in the in the switch itself, which is not visible to the user. Okay, so it's a, a way to make a, a switch programmable. So j- just to hammer home uh, what it is, if you're thinking about, say, OpenFlow or OpenVSwitch, those are also programmable switches. How, how is P4 different from OpenFlow or OpenVSwitch? So I think there's a common term that is used for OpenFlow, uh, which is fixed function uh, switching. So I think what we mean there in terms of OpenFlow is like it, it has a certain set of fields that you can operate on. And then you can only do match and actions using those fields. So what if you have a new protocol, like uh, some STT or some new protocol or some custom protocol that comes up? So what do you do about that? Uh, normally what happens in OpenFlow, what we have seen in the past, 
is like we will come up with a new version which will be like 1.8 or 7, 9 something that will have the support for the new protocol and then you can use that in the match action tables. So unlike OpenFlow, what P4 allows you is to, instead of coming up with a new standard and wait for it like for maybe months or years, you can just do that yourself by adding those fields as a as sort of like a code in a program and then compile it down onto the switch. And now the switch can actually do processing using those new packet header fields and so forth. So in other words, instead of having to get somebody to actually say hack on the C code for OpenV switch or come up with a new uh, design for your ASIC, you can instead hand it a, a P4 program and yeah. you get it uh, with, with a lot less work. Right. So I think there's one distinction between uh, when you say uh, something for the software, like hacking a C code for software versus coming up with an ASIC. I think P4 is, so soft, in software it's possible that you can add a new uh, protocol. But when we talk about OpenFlow, so OpenFlow is all about standards like, so OpenFlow 1.1 to 1.4 all have certain set of header fields that you can match on. So you can definitely modify OVS to work with some new header fields, but that will not be, uh, that will not be a new, so, so you have to come up with a standard for that. It's not like you can just say, oh, I'm going to start using these fields with this OpenFlow or protocol or something like that. So you have to come up with a standard that everybody in the community, the guys who are writing the management plane or the control plane knows about, and then they can start using it. In other words, like when we say we want to write something in P4 and compile it onto OVS, it also means that you modify the code in some sense, but now because P4 is a high level description, which is very closer to how a network programmer sees a data plane or wants to specify a data plane. So it's much easier for him. And also unlike uh, top down, uh, it's more like a, instead of being bottom up, it's a top down model where the user specifies what the switch should do versus switch telling the controller that these are the features I can work with. So uh, doing a handshake and then letting the controller program on those aspects or those fields in the, in the data plane. Part of that then is that you have to get fewer people to agree on the way that you should do something. So that, uh, for example, with OpenV switch, uh, if, if you want to get it widely deployed, then, then usually you have to go to the OpenV switch developers and say, hey, we'd like this, uh, we'd like this protocol or this feature and then get it in. But if you're using P4, then you as the, as the user can specify what you want out of the switch, sort of the, uh, the other way around. Yeah, so the thing is you as a user have a direct access to what you want from the switch, unlike having somebody else as a middleman, like for example, the obvious developers that will do something for you. So, so that's the thing that P4 actually, uh, having something like P4 actually hides from the user and the switch. So it's more like a compiler that takes what the intention of a programmer is and compiles it down onto the switch versus going through a second channel, like, oh, I want this thing in the switch. So can you please help me? Like obvious developers, can you please help me add this support and then start using it? So it has a long cycle of deployment, so like development, deployment, and testing, which uh, somehow sometimes is very long for anybody to have uh, start using these features in a more uh, usable sense. That That's sort of the background behind uh, P4 and how it relates to OpenFlow and OpenVSwitch. But what have you actually built? You're working on something called Pisces, right? Yeah, so Pisces is, uh, is, is a work that we did uh, last, we started off working on that last summer uh, when I was doing an internship at Barefoot uh, with Nick McEwen, Shang, and you as well, like Ben. So the idea there was, uh, so Pisces is more like a protocol independent software switch. So, uh, so, so like I mentioned before, when we talk about OBS enabled switches, they are fixed function switches. 
you have to modify or you have to hack into the C code to add new features. So PySys, uh, unlike these switches, it's more like protocol independent where you specify your logic or your intent in a high level P4 program and then the compiler compiles it down onto the open phase switch. So what we did in PySys over the last few months is to come up with a compiler that takes a P4 program and then we also did some modifications in the open vSwitch so that it is more protocol independent now so that it can take these new changes from a high level program and compile it and can take it into a switch code base and start using them. Pisces is a, a research prototype. It's yes. something that, that, that you built for NSDI and then for, for SIGCOM. What are the drawbacks that there would be in just, say, uh, adopting a, a research switch? So I think everybody knows, like in research, what happens is uh, the goal is there to provide a proof of concept. Like given that uh, we say we want to have a protocol independent switch, so the main question that as a research prototype uh, we want to see from the prototype itself is in, in our case specifically we wanted to use the prototype to find out first of all what is the complexity of writing a program in a DSL versus doing direct modification in the switch. So does it take more line of code, less line of code or how much or is there the like, complexity is similar or more or less. So that's the kind of thing that we wanted to know uh, from Pisces prototype. And the second thing that we wanted to know was to see what is the effect of this programmability on performance. So Pisces prototype was built from that view in mind. Like we wanted to see something, we wanted to build something that can act as a proof of concept for us to answer these two questions. Like what's the complexity of specifying something in a DSO? And then what is the cost of that uh, programmability or the complexity on performance of a software switch. Those are good questions. Let's break down what we what we actually found out. The, the benefits that, uh, that you were talking about, or the potential benefits, so one of those is uh, the reduction in code complexity or, or reduction in, in code. Did, did you actually see a, a large reduction there? Yeah, we saw like, uh, so what we did, we just took some re some real programs, like uh, uh, we took some, so OB, open vSwitch, sort of, you can think of open vSwitch as a specific P4 program that does uh, that handles some protocol like layer two, layer three, and layer four, and some tunneling. Uh, so you can think of it as a specific P4 program that is handling these protocols and doing some match action on them. So we took that as a program and we called it a native OBS program. And then we wrote that similar thing in P4. And we tried to assess like how much lines of code did we have to write in order to build the same pipeline that was already there in the actual native OBS switch binary. And we, we found that there's a, there's a 20x or 40x reduction in the number of lines of code that we had to write in P4 versus doing the same thing in OBS. So there was a huge reduction in the overall code that one has to write when building, uh, the pipeline from the scratch, like, uh, the actual baseline, uh, pipeline. For example, in the case of what we have in OBS. So that, that would be great if, if we can take the OBS code that has thousands of lines dedicated to particular protocols and we can reduce that to say a few hundred lines of, of P4, that's a, a, a definite win that it would be a, a great to get into the code base. So what do we trade off for that? So that's the, that's the second part. Like when we say what do we trade off for it? For our particular work that we did, the trade off was what's the effect on performance? So, Again, P4 follows a certain machine model. So we call this an abstract forwarding model. So every language that you specify has a certain machine model. In the case of programmable data plane, we call it an abstract forwarding model. Like how, so for example, in P4, the packet comes in, you do parsing, then you do control flow, match action tables, and then you do deparsing. So if we take that abstract forwarding model, and when we tried compiling it as is onto the underlying open vSwitch forwarding model, we found that the performance there was like, there was overhead of 40% on performance. So the performance was 
40% less compared to what the native OVS was giving us for the same program. So that that's when we just started out and yes. we hadn't looked at why the performance differences yep. are there. What's the sort of the underlying reason that you'd, you'd see that big of a penalty? One of the main things is for hardware switches, it makes more sense. So what you do in hardware switches is like you parse the header, so you are literally parsing the header. Right, you are copying the fields from the packet to a separate register or memory, and then the match action pipeline are processing on those memories, and then finally the dparser writes those changes back onto the packet. So unlike hardware switches, in software switches, uh, doing this kind of extra copy and maintaining it separately and doing processing on it and then writing it back has a huge cost. So instead, uh, you can see in Open vSwitch right now, like the native OBS, what it does is instead of doing this copying mechanism, what it does, it does it inline. So what happens, like you, instead of making a copy of the packet itself, because the packet is already residing in the memory, so they we they apply changes directly on the packet. So this so the, the amount of time that you spend on making copies and writing the values back is reduced. There's, it's no longer there. And it has a huge cost in software because it requires CPU cycles and so forth. So so in other words, P4 and OpenFlow have pretty different ideas about when you modify packets. Yes. In OpenFlow, you modify packets immediately when you hit the action. And in P4, you sort of keep track of the changes you're making, and then you apply them at the end of the pipeline? Yes, that's that's how it does in P4. So if you take that naive model, like or the, the, the existing vanilla model of P4, and then try to map it onto OBS, that's where the, the reduction is in performance. We modified Pisces so that this uh, difference between uh, P4 and OpenFlow was compensated for, and how much of an improvement in performance did that, uh, did that produce? So first of all, like I will... Uh, go back and say, so we took P4 abstract forwarding model and we compiled it onto Open vSwitch in the way that P4 tells us. Then this this naive compilation gave us like 40% reduction. So what we did was like after doing this naive compilation, we we actually did some profiling and we found out like there are different places. What are the different places where the cycles are being consumed? Like what are the main uh, sort of uh, hot areas or hot uh, locations in the code that are causing this bottleneck? So we did a bunch of optimizations, mostly to reduce the number of cycles. And also, uh, I don't know whether I should go into that detail, but OBS also also has this fast path, which maintains a cache. So we did some optimization as well to, to increase the hit rate for that cache. So based on these optimizations, we eventually, after we are doing all these optimizations, we found that the optimized compilation gives us, or has an overhead of about 2%, which is very small. And we saw that this overhead remains and this holds true for increasing number of packet sizes. It's just not for the very small minimum size packet, but also is true for the increasing number of packet sizes for large packet sizes. You say this, so the difference is very small after you do these optimizations. So do you think this 2 to 3% uh, represents the best we can do, or is it, it just what we had time to do for the paper? I think this is what we had time for to do for the paper because we didn't look into the... Uh, so for this prototype, we actually didn't work with the microflow cache. We disabled that because... Uh, because we were using OBS implementation and the fast path using DPTK, so there what they do is like the, the, the microflow cache is actually the hash that it needs to look into the table is actually computed by the NIC itself. So because the NICs are fixed functions, so our notion of protocol independent packet like, uh, switching wasn't holding true when using that NIC feature. So somehow, so in order to reduce, in order to come up with a purely programmable switch, we actually removed the microflow cache from our, from our evaluations. And now there's the next step we are looking into, like given that without that we see this 2% difference, uh, we, I, I'm pretty sure like we can get more performance 
but if we look into start looking into the microflow cache and other areas that we haven't looked so far because of the time that we had for the paper. The two percent is comparison of Pisces against uh, OVS with yes. microflow cache disabled. disabled. Yes, uh, but we we think that we can recover a lot of the performance uh, by implementing a microflow cache, a software flow, a software based microflow cache right. in, in in Pisces or, yes. or in, in something. Uh, equivalent for maybe a production OVS. Yes. So I, I know that another one of the things that uh, caused a bit of a, a performance difference was uh, how P4 and OpenFlow do checksums. Yes. Do you want to say something more yeah. about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so in in P4, what happens? Like P4, the P4 abstract forwarding model. What it does, what it assumes, is whenever a packet comes in, uh, first of all you parse the packet and then you run a full blown checksum to verify whether the checksum is valid or not. And then it applies the match action table pipeline on the packet. And then before sending the packet to the egress, it again runs a checksum to update the new, uh, update the value, the checksum value on the packet. So it's more like the verification is happening full blown at the beginning of the pipeline and the checksum update is happening full blown at the very end of the pipeline. So this, this is good. Like this, doing this model actually is good for the hardware because where the, the cost of doing this is fixed. But in software, it has a huge cost. So for example, in the software pipeline, you just modify TTL, for example. And now in the end, you are doing a full-blown compute like checksum using all the 12 header fields of the IP, then that is redundant computation. Like you don't want to do that in software because it consumes more cycles. So what you can do, or what we, so what OBS, the native OBS does right now is it does, so whenever you change an IP header field, it updates the checksum in line at the same point when you run that action. However, uh, in P4, because the model, the abstract model was giving us this view of like uh, doing checksum verification at the beginning and checksum update at the very end, the naive compilation was uh, very costly. So what we did was using program analysis, we were able to find out because P4 gives you the entire structure of the match action pipeline upfront. Uh, so you can statically find out which of the fields are actually being modified or will be modified. So based on that, instead of doing a full blown checksum update, you can just do the update for those fields that are modified in the in the pipeline itself. So so during these kind of optimizations, we were able to like instead of doing a full blown checksum, we converted that into an incremental checksum during during the compilation process. The incremental checksum, if if you just do that, then that actually changes the semantics, right? Because uh, it sort of skips the, the the checksum verification you did at the beginning, and you might you might end up modifying a, a packet that doesn't have a valid checksum to begin with. So there, uh, we came up with an so we provided some annotations in the P four program itself because this is something that is changing at the semantic level, and this is the knowledge that we don't have as a compiler. So we asked the user to provide us that knowledge via annotations. So what happens is like if the switch is, if the Pisces switch is running as a transit switch, then you can do incremental checksum. You don't have to do a verification in the beginning because we know the end host will drop the packet if it has a bad checksum. But if it's running as an end host stack, then we have to go with the, uh, with the, we, we have to have a verified part because we don't know how the switch will be run by the user. So this is something that we ask the user to provide us through annotation in the P4 program. We added annotations for a couple of other things, right? That are more like software software switch specific features. Right. Do you want to mention any of those? There's another one that we did to improve the cache hit rate that OBS has in the fast path. So what happened there is like, so normally uh, there are a bunch of optimizations that happen in open vSwitch that rely on the the frequency at which the field, the value of the field is changing. For example, we call this entropy. So for example, TCP source port has a higher entropy 
or the frequency of being changed versus the input port uh, of the uh, the packet or the IP uh, or the MAC address of the packet. When when you say something like the input port, you mean something like the physical port that it came yes, in yes. on the switch. Yeah, yeah. Knowing this fact can actually help uh, improve the cache hit rate because now if you are doing caching based on the low entropy fields, then the chances are you are covering a larger flow space. So this way, you, the more packets will be handled by the cache without going to the slow path or the actual match action pipeline in the OVS. Uh, maybe you should give an example if you can think of one. I, I think I can come up with a contrived one. For example, if a packet is coming in and uh, you know that the packet only matched on input port or the metadata fields, and later on uh, the packet has a miss on the on the TCP ports, then what you can do is like instead of writing an entire microflow cache. Or if, uh, in the in the cache itself, where it's also matching on the TCP port, in order to identify that I have to drop this packet, what you can do is you can just match on the metadata itself, and using that you can specify oh if we got a miss uh, on the next set of fields, and for this one up till this point, if you match, then only install this rule and specify a drop action. Yeah, what you're talking about is the, the staging optimization. Yes, that's in the, yes. Uh, that's in the Open vSwitch classifier, so right. that uh, the, the classifier knows that it's it's better to match on a metadata field than, uh, say, an L4 field, right. uh, because then the, the Megaflow cache is going to be more effective. Right, yeah. All the evaluation, or most of the evaluation in the upcoming paper is based on one uh, one particular application. That, uh, that Right. Uh, do, do you want to say something about that application and, and how, it, how it affected the evaluation? So the application that we had was mostly... Uh, it's a router with the access control list and support for VLAN tunneling. So what we did, we wanted to actually come up with a more uh, like an example that was more realistic and being used widely by people throughout. So we just, that's why we came up with that application. And also because the application, that application has a, has a, an implementation already available in OBS. So in order to do an apples to apples comparison, we came up with this specific uh, pro sort of application because. We wanted to know if we do compile this program using Pisces, what is the performance versus doing it in uh, vanilla OBS or the native OBS. The main reason we also picked this uh, application was, first of all, see what a realistic application performance is once you compile it. And then later on, we also did some further evaluation where we dropped certain parts of the pipeline to see how does the program analysis can help uh, remove dead code, for example. So for example, the pipeline initially had was doing some processing on layer 4 fields to implement ACLs or access control list. We later on removed that part from the program and then we let the compiler compile it as is. And we found out like, okay, because now the access control list table was not in the match action pipeline specification in the P4 program, the parser was optimized. Like it didn't uh, parse L4 fields further. So that's why we were able to improve the performance of the parser. And then again, for the next step, we removed the routing part. We just had an L2 table. So based on that, the parser was further optimized because now it no, no longer has to optimize for layer three headers and so forth. In theory, if we get this dialed in just right, we can expect that OBS plus P4 may actually be faster than plain yes. OBS in some yes. cases. Yes. So for some examples in the paper, like which is coming up uh, in the sitcom, you will see that for certain programs, the performance of the parser is much better and the overall throughput is much better. Or than the open vSwitch itself. The Pisces research prototype, does does that have a, a future? I, I've heard rumors that it might be used in classes. I don't know the exact plan, but I think uh, we will show this or we will come up with an assignment for this in the next Coursera offering, the, the Coursera a Software Defined Networking course. And who teaches that? Uh, so my advisor, Nick Feimster, he teaches that. We have already given two offerings of the course in the past two years. 
over the summer. So hopefully there will be a new third course or third offering for the course where we will come up with an example or an assignment using Pisces as well. Is that a, a course that you assist with? Yes. For the first offering, I was a TA on that course. For the second one, I think there was another student. So I think now the course is so mature that we don't have to sit down and do anything for that. It's mostly the new changes. For example, for the next offering, we are thinking of giving, giving an assignment on Pisces. So that is something that I will help with, with my advisor to come up with an assignment and then give it to the people and then provide some instructions on how to use it and so forth. So who's the target audience for the course? I think it's a diverse audience. Like normally uh, we see that people who at the end of the course, there are like roughly more than 3,000 or 2,000 students who grad, like who take the course and get certified or finally, who actually complete the course in some sense. The demographic is mostly, uh, there are people from academia, like students, professors who want to know more about software-defined networking and what's the new trend happening in the in the area. And then there are also people from the industry, like higher up people, like VPs, CTOs, CEOs, who want to know what is happening, what is the cutting-edge research happening right now, and who are the folks who are working on it, and how they can actually use that or understand that in their own uh, uh, system as well, or in their own environment as well. Oh, it's good to know about the course. I, yeah. I honestly didn't know the details there. What's the goal for the summer? For the summer, personally, uh, for me, I think the goal is to actually uh, work with uh, Ben, like you, yeah, at, you. <laughs> at VMware, to add support for P4 in OBS, in the mainline OBS, so that people can actually start using it in a more production setting. And then also, uh, we are looking into some more advanced features, because right now what Pisces does is like it lets you specify the stateless aspects of a pipeline. But there are other features like uh, stateful processing, uh, reading uh, states for more getting for getting more insight into what is happening in the network and so forth. So how do you specify that in P4 or a high level language, and then how do you compile it to the underlying software switch without affecting the performance? It's going to be pretty challenging to get that into the OBS caching model. Yes, I think so. But we're still thinking about it. So hopefully, uh, let's see what happens. But there are the, the so there, there is there is some recent work on uh, on the caching model. For example, there's a soft flow paper that was published in ATC. I think you are the author on that as well. I'm, I'm a co-author. Yeah. So what they do there is like instead of coming up with a more generic stateful processing model, they are trying to combine uh, the match action processing with the features that are already available in the kernel itself. And so it's more like doing data flow processing with the code-driven processing, something, again, you mentioned in one of the recent talks that you gave at metroprogramming.org. Uh, uh, I, I guess I think of SoftFlow as being for fairly heavyweight things, like right. uh, where you might be passing something to, a, say, an entire uh, virtual machine, uh, NFE-type uh, mm -hmm. uh, type things. But uh, a lot of the uh, staple stuff in, in P4 is a, a little lighter weight. You might be uh, using it for things as simple as, like, statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, but there are two parts to it. One is like from from the hardware switches standpoint, getting that level of stats like or doing that level of minimal processing is pretty good as well. Like you're getting more insight into what is happening at, in the actual switch at such high speeds. For software switches that are running at the edge, I'm not so sure like whether there is a utility for them at the moment. So that's the thing that I'm looking into. Like what are the use cases for this kind of stateful processing or getting state from the system itself in the edge of the network? Like in the hypervisor and so forth. Do you see some of the stateful processing as a direction for future research? I think so, but I think my immediate goal is, so again, stateful processing, we divide it into two parts. One is doing reading a state, and the other is writing on the state. 
So by reading a state, I mean like reading state stats from the system, like queue, queue lengths, buffer sizes, and so forth. So for example, there's a work on in-band network telemetry where they just query the state from the system. And so how can you do that using something like OVS and a high-level description? Uh, then the sec second part is more like writing on the state. Like once a packet comes in, how do you write the state back onto the, the flow tables or the registers and so forth? So my, my immediate next step is to look into the first part, which is how do you read state from the system? And uh, reading state from the hypervisor is a bit different from reading states from the actual hardware switches. Because there we know that the states that we want to collect are mostly buffer sizes, queue lengths, and so forth. But for the software switches, because they're running in the hypervisor, they have access to a much more fine-grained state, like CPU's usage for a certain VM, memory utilization, and so forth. So those are the other kind of states that you can collect. So one of the research is, to find out what are the different states that you can collect at the end host using uh, from the virtual switch or the hypervisor and what are the different use cases that you can do based on those uh, st states that you have collected some at the end host. Some of that is going to be difficult just because the uh, operating system isn't really set yes, up to yes, collect yes. these things in, right. in the fast path, I think. Right. So I think the, 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 the key areas to look into there are what are the ar architectural modifications that we have to come up with or the new features that we have to add in the kernel to make that state uh, visible uh, in a sense that it's easily accessible and used by the switch. Where can people go to learn more about Pisces for now? Um, so there is a website, pisces.cs.princeton.edu. So they can go there and uh, we have uh, and the, the preprint of the paper there. And we also have links to the GitHub repository, which is still, I'm working on adding instructions on how to use them, but the code is there. They can start using it and looking into it. Great. Uh, yeah. So I know you've given a number of talks on Pisces. Are any of those recorded and available online? The immediate ones, I don't think they are. But they, I also, like the first talk that I gave when we were still working on this work was at the OVS conference last year. So that is also available on the website. So you can look into that. So it's more like giving you an idea of like how we are thinking about adding P4 to OVS and what are the changes that we, that we needed to do in the OVS architecture to make it happen. The, the code is there, it's real, you can start using it. So I, it would, I would be happy to get feedback from folks like what they think about the prototype and uh, what are the new things that they might need in there and what are the use cases they are looking into that might be possible using something like P4 with OBS or Pisces. Great. Yeah. Uh, so if people are interested and they want to contact you, uh, what's the best way? Um, so again, on that website, like pisces.cs.princeton.edu, you can go to the website and there's the email address as well to contact me. Thank you very much for, uh, for talking to us today. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons unported 3.0 license. The intro music in this episode is Drive by Alex Barroza, the bumper is Yeah Ant by Speck, and the outro is Space Bazooka by Kirkoid. All of the music is also licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported license. For more information about OpenVSwitch and OVS Orbit, please visit openvswitch.org.